Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the Book of Acts, chapter 9, verse 36 through 43, the Book of Revelation, chapter 7, verse 9 through 17, the Gospel according to John, chapter 10, verse 22 through 30, and Psalm 23. Mother's Day feels a little bit more complex this year for some reason to me, maybe because human relationships are complex. And I found myself trying to escape getting involved in that complexity by observing animals. This may sound silly, but there's something that's very freeing about following a squirrel or by checking out a bird. And I was making a pastoral visit um, last week. And when I arrived, they um, got me inside very quickly. And I, they, they asked if a bird had pooped on me. I mean, people usually don't say that as the greeting at the door. And I, I said no. And then when I got inside, um, they, um, they grabbed a ladder so that I could climb up and on the other side of the glass door, observed this nest of little baby birds. I mean, these little birds were so tiny, they didn't even have feathers yet. I'm sure there's a technical term for that, but I don't know it. But I was enthralled, took pictures. I showed so many people the pictures, you would think that I was the mother bird. But, um, but there is a, a beauty in, in this expression of motherhood in nature. And on that note kind of, um, I wanted to share, start with another simple note. And I admit it's another granddaughter story. I may have shared this with a couple of you recently, but it feels appropriate today. Several years ago when my granddaughter was about seven or eight, she confided in me that she was going to have a new baby sister, a new baby sister. And I tried to hide my surprise and, and a little tinge of skepticism because I didn't think that was in the plan. But um, so I simply asked her, how do you know this will be happening? And she responded, mommy told me. And so I thought, well, that's a very credible source. <laughs> um, so I just said, well, well, that sounds very exciting. And she agreed and we talked about other things. So I waited a while to see if my son would mention this. I mean, I'm close to my son, and not a word, not a word happened for probably a week or two. So finally, I found the opportunity to say, um, Elia says she's going to have a new baby sister. And he said, oh no, there's no babies expected at our house, no, no babies. Um, so then I shared, well, Elia said that that her mother had told her that she was going to have a new baby sister. And my son starts laughing. And he laughs and he laughs. And he said, Ellie is talking about a puppy. A puppy. That the dog that she had grown up with, she had considered her sister. And so a new puppy was the equivalent of a new baby sister to my granddaughter. It turned out that both Elia and her mom were lobbying hard for a puppy. Now, that puppy didn't materialize. That puppy turned into, instead of bunny, um, the bunny wasn't a girl bunny, it was a boy bunny, it was a brother bunny. But 
life isn't always what we expect it to be. It doesn't turn out quite as we anticipate. And this bunny, Bugsley, is very well loved and very tended, very well fed, and Elia's mothering instincts are, are showing up very strong. There are many forms, many forms of mothers and mothering. And it feels appropriate that our reading today from Acts features a woman who was a disciple of Jesus. Last week's story from Acts was of the conversion of Saul, who we now know as Paul. This week, in the same chapter, we hear more of Peter's ministry. Immediately preceding today's verses, Luke describes for us Peter's healing of a man who had been bedridden and paralyzed for eight years. Peter says to the man, Jesus Christ heals you, get up and make your bed. And immediately the man gets up. The residents of the town see that this miracle has occurred and they turn to the Lord. So in today's reading, Disciples, the disciples are aware that Peter is in the area, that he's close by. And so when Tabitha, a disciple, becomes ill and dies, they send for Peter, and he immediately comes. When Peter arrives, Tabitha's body has been laid out in an upstairs room. Widows are there, and there is weeping. And Peter puts them all outside the room. When he is alone, Peter kneels and prays. Then Peter turns to Tabitha's body and says, Tabitha, get up. Tabitha opens her eyes and sees Peter and sits up, and Peter helps her up. The mourners now witness Tabitha alive, and word spreads, and even more come to believe in the Lord. Peter's courageous ministry is revealing to the crowds that these miracles once done by Jesus continue through the apostles filled with the Holy Spirit, bringing forth miracles through Jesus in Jesus' name. Peter is continuing to spread Jesus' teaching and healing throughout the region, just as Jesus commanded him to do. But in this story, we are introduced by name to Tabitha, who we are told is also known as Dorcas in Greek. And everything, everything we know about Tabitha is included in that brief paragraph. Tabitha is a woman, is a disciple of Jesus, and is devoted to good works and works of charity. She is the only woman by name described as a disciple. And in this reference, the disciple term is used in a feminine form. In Acts, there are references to other women as disciples, but none are mentioned by name. At least some of Tabitha's ministry seems to have been among the widows, because Luke writes, all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Tabitha is a beloved member of an early Christian community. And one of the ways she supports those in her care is making clothing for them. This is a way Tabitha walks in Christ's love. This is one of Tabitha's ways of mothering 
So why Tabitha? Why does Peter pray for her return to life? We do not know. There's no sign that Tabitha or those in her care requested this. Tabitha never utters a word in this story. And while the disciples requested for Peter to come, there's no indication of what they were expecting of him when he came. Was this Peter's compassionate response to the widows, to the community? Was this to be a sign to further spread the gospel in the region? In the gospel stories of Jesus bringing others back from death, it may be described as a compassionate response, such as Jesus' compassion for the widow suffering the death of her only son, his compassion for the leader of the synagogue and his wife at the death of their daughter. The raising of Lazarus we think of as as God's glorification of a sign that, that Jesus has been sent by God. But we can also see it as a sign of compassion for Martha and Mary, who were grieving very deeply. Jesus' interactions with women were in some ways a scandalous aspect of his ministry to the religious authorities and to the cultural norms. Men did not interact with women in the way he did. Jesus treated women with respect, supported their autonomy, defended them, and pointed out the hypocrisy of those who would judge them harshly. Jesus showed compassion for women through healing. Even from the cross, Jesus focuses on his mother and tending to her care by confirming the relationship between his mother and his beloved disciple, even from the cross. And Jesus' first resurrection appearances are to the women, the women who were steadfast, staying with him through his last breath, the women who returned to the grave. It was these women that he entrusted with the word that he had been resurrected that Jesus lives. Our worlds have been rocked by so many different stories in the last several years. Stories we might have considered unbelievable until we found ourselves bearing witness in real time. We hope the seemingly endless pandemic is becoming an endemic we hope that our democracy can withstand the challenges of misinformation, manipulation, extremism, and violence. We pray that Ukraine's democracy and freedom will survive and that the threat of greater conflict can be avoided. We worry about the stability of the economy and the impact on everyone and we witness the actions of state governments to restrict the rights of voting and health decisions for many of our citizens. And this past week, we now hear of another potential crisis, the overturning of protection for women's autonomy and their health and reproductive decisions. There is a temptation for us to stand back because there are simply too many crises there are too many things that seem to be falling apart. 
And we may choose to stand back, particularly if we don't feel that we're going to be directly impacted by what's going on. I hear that voice in myself sometime. It's a voice to reassure me, it'll be okay, because I'm not being directly impacted. But immediately hearing that voice, I hear that other voice, that voice of Jesus reminding me that I am called to witness and serve, to love my neighbor as myself, to strive for justice and peace, and to respect the dignity of every human being. I hear that voice. And regardless of our age, our gender, our orientation, our race, our ethnicity, our politics, we are called to walk a path of love together. We are called to do that. I am certain we have many different views, some passionately held, about the most recent issue regarding women's reproductive rights. We can talk personal views and experiences, religious beliefs, beliefs of various traditions. We can talk about science and laws and even politics. In this beloved community, we can discuss and respect differing views. What is central for me is a person's autonomy in making well-informed, compassionate, and prayerful choices for their own body and their own life circumstance. I believe that any human being, identifying however they do, has the right to have their autonomy regarding their bodies, that autonomy protected. Just as we teach children the importance of their autonomy to keep them safe and help them have healthy boundaries when others might try to interfere with that, I believe we must be able to protect that autonomy for our bodies throughout our lives. I am privileged to stand here, and I stand here as a, a female. Um, was once a little girl who adored her father, then a tomboy who climbed every climbable thing. I was an unintended trailblazer in the corporate world, and a one-time wife, mother of a son, a griever of a miscarriage, a single mom, now a grandmother, and a priest. Throughout this journey, I've been a Christian, cherishing the sacredness of life, hoping to always bear witness to others' stories with compassion, loving each other as Jesus has taught us to love, seeking to honor the integrity, free will, autonomy of every human being, and hoping to have the courage to bear witness when there is injustice, or persecution against any of us, and knowing I will always fall short. I need God's help. So do all of us, always. There is so much suffering in the world that in this moment is largely unavoidable. There are deaths, illnesses, accidents. There are 
forms of nature in terms of droughts, fires. Yes, we can say that, that human beings have a role in some of this, but at this point, so much of what happens is beyond our control. And yet we know in all of that suffering, Jesus is with us. But there is other suffering that falls squarely in human hands. Suffering of violence, abuse of power, our inhumanity to each other, our blaming, shaming, shouting, persecuting, depriving others of basic human rights, basic human autonomy, basic human freedoms. Jesus is with us in the midst of all that too. But what can we do? What can we do to lessen this human-made suffering? How might we serve like Tabitha, tending to those most powerless in the world? How might we embody Jesus' compassion Jesus' love. How might we in this time truly bear witness and walk the way of love? Walk the way of love together. It is what we are called to do. Amen. Amen.